Well, good morning, listeners. This is Jim the Keys bartender. How are you today? It is a beautiful day here in the Keys, as always. And uh, I would be remiss not to talk about the notability of this day. And the reason it's notable is about a little over uh, almost a year and a half ago, we started this journey with my wife, who they discovered a lump in her breast. And, you know, the whole time they think it's benign. And then they, they dance around whether it's cancerous or this and that. They had, uh, I know I'm kind of glossing over it, but I'm trying to make it as quick as possible. So we're going over this for some time. We had uh, uh, the biopsy, then the lumpectomy. And then went in consultation whether she's going to need. Uh, after lumpectomy, they, they, uh, there was a, a lot of things. I think it's really difficult for medical professionals to talk to the uninitiated. That sometimes they're unaware of how much of the terminology we're familiar with. You know, whether it's plastomy, this, that, uh, God, what what it means, and things we're all kind of well read up on it. And I kind of, you kind of read up on it, but there's so many things, there's so much, so much literature out there. And on reading up on these things, so you're checking this out, what, what this does, what that does, um, what's the likelihood, what you're listening to, what they say in their prognosis. And they talk about how, you know, this isn't very dangerous, this isn't very dangerous, this could become dangerous. In your head, you're just thinking cancer, this, that, and the other thing. So we're going through this journey together, Abby and I, and mainly it's Abby, but, you know, since I love her dearly, then um, I'm with her on that. And so is Sky. And, you know, I'm not trying to relate, but you, you do, when you're, when you're living with someone and you care about someone, you love them deeply, you're, you're very concerned about them. You don't even know uh, exactly what they're going through, even though they're telling you what they're going through. You don't know the full extent of what they're going through. So about a little over three weeks ago, a little over three weeks ago, we started, we knew we were going to do uh, radiation. We just didn't know when, and uh, we had to wait for some tests to come back to see if she needed to do uh, a chemo also. And the test came back that she wouldn't need to do chemo, and she'd only need 16 radiation treatments. We didn't know if that was good or bad. We knew it was good that she didn't need chemo, and the radiation was there to make sure that there was no extra cells that got away because there was something about the definition of the tumor that was brought out. Whether it was defined or undefined, the, the cohesion of the cell walls and all these things. And you pick this up when you're, when you're going to consultations with oncologists and radi- radiation therapy and the, and the surgeon. So we go through all this and we begin our radiation. And uh, it's an interesting journey because we we decided and Abby decided that we're going to do it first thing in the morning because she wants to work through it. And part of it is a necessity too. She could have, she she may have uh, 
been able to take off financially. We'd be able to. But um, I don't think she would have fared well either way. And this was her own decision. Let me make that clear. She decided to work. She decided to go to the gym. And it was only the last uh, couple of days she stopped going to the gym because they said when before we start radiation that you might feel some fatigue. And in the beginning, halfway through, she was feeling some, uh, or at the beginning, she was feeling some nausea. And uh, the suggestion was that she shouldn't feel be feeling any nausea. And then some other um, uh, doctor, one either the oncologist or radiation therapist, said, oh, you know, it's not unusual that you feel, feel nausea. And she felt better about having the nausea after that. And let me make it clear once again, Abby said I'm able to talk about this. So we didn't know what to expect. This is our first process, you know, hopefully our last of going through radiation therapy, but we're fortunate they had it. And now we're living in a, um, a uh, near a city that has a state-of-the-art uh, cancer center. And the radiation, and we were heard, and I told on a previous episode, the machine they use for radiation, uh, for or generating the power to generate the radiation, is a, is a turbine. It's just similar to, uh, similar to uh, one you'd have on a jet, and it's in a four-story room, and very complicated. They have technicians that take care of it, and it, it sounded very complicated. And they, and they told us how long it would take to warm up and all this stuff. And this, we found this out about a week and a half after beginning this. And they were very professional. Everyone was very professional. It seems like the, the, the front desk people, the radiation therapists, they used to send people out. Um, you go, you're, once you get there, you go up to the front desk after you made it through the beginning in a hospital and they check, they ask you questions about COVID and all this stuff and give you a mask. And, uh, you go to the front desk and they get your your name and and you know your date of birth and uh, they give you the wristband, the identifying wristband that you get, and then you sit down and while you're waiting outside, and it's a beautiful, big, you know, you think a a lobby with marble and steel would be kind of cold, and it was actually warm the way they treated it, the way they were, um, the way it was laid out, and they would give you heated, uh, thin blankets if you were cold because it got the temperature really cold out there. They also have water and juice boxes, uh, much like any pre uh, pre K school, you know, with the blankets. So. Uh, but you get there and it's about 65, maybe even ch- uh, colder in there, which is cold for uh, Miami. And I guess they do it because, you know, people, um, they keep it cool out front. And it's not so cold when you go in the back. That's where they do radiation. So they would send a radiation therapist when they're ready for you. And we're usually there. And we get there early, but in about 10, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, they'd send out a radiation radiation therapists to come and get you and they know what you look like and they come out and they say your name but they pretty much know who they're getting and they escort you in and everyone is so caring and empathetic and sweet 
And you know they see hundreds of people during the week. But it just, uh, they, they really, it just really comes off as genuine. Because I've been to places where, you know, been on cruise ships and places where people are studied in how they deliver their customer service. It's a practice thing sometimes. I, I try not to be. I'm trying to be more genuine. I'm trying to not, not a forced smile, a real smile. And I just let, you know, I, I, I think it's a new leaf I'm turning over. I'm, I've always been that way. But in the recent years, I don't know if it's from uh, anything in particular, but I may have gotten more. I think the term would be door, meaning uh, more sedate or unenthusiastic of my greetings. So now I try to get excited just doing it. And I've seen these people do it. And it just seems, at least if they're not, if they don't feel it, at least they really look like they're feeling it. So we're going through this. Uh, I don't, Abby didn't know what to expect. She's going through it. They're expecting a little darkening of the skin, a little reddening of the skin. Uh, she's getting a little fatigued during it. She's, you know, working, going to the gym until a couple of days ago, then decided to, you know, lay off because she's feeling a little tired. Hopefully now she'll be coming out of that, you know, feeling fatigue. They said it's a process. <coughs> so all those things, getting up at, uh, we were getting up at 5.30 in the morning, uh, in the car by 10 after 6, a quarter after 6 to be up there by um, 7.40. You know, giving ourselves plenty of time. That's our first appointment. So we it normally takes us about 55 minutes. We give ourselves an extra 25, 30 minutes. And uh, most of the time, because it's early, we don't run into any traffic. But just because there's no barriers or anything that occurs, like traffic jams or anything that holds up, doesn't mean it's not stressful. Because you're still... You're not even realizing that you're stressed. You're not even realizing that you're stressed. And you're going to work. And then I come home. And you're not thinking about... You, you, I come. I work at night. So some nights I'd come home and get to bed at 11.30. And then I'd be up um, about five and a half hours later. And normally I'm up in the middle of the night because I'm an old man. And an old man has to get up and pee. I, you know what? I'm not that old. I'm in excellent shape and stuff like that. And I still sometimes feel like I'm in my 30s. I can't say I feel like I'm in my 20s, but I feel like I'm in my 30s physically. But recently, you know, just been tired. I don't know if it was a symptomatic symptom. Sympathetic. Sympathetic. Sympathy symptoms. Meaning feeling fatigue, nausea, and things like that. But I'll tell you today was different, knowing full well that this was our 16th and final therapy session. And we, I, I got to say that the, the, once again, the people, there was a woman, of uh, radiation therapist that was there almost all the time, Fiona. What a sweetheart. She was, she was great. And um, no matter how they treat us, so, um, we're, we we are grateful for everything they do, but there's a certain amount of trepidation when you think about radiation. For people with uh, 
a slight understanding of science or even no understanding of science. Radiation is not necessarily, uh, most people associate radiation with uh, not being good and not realizing that there's good radiation, there's solar radiation, things like that. You know, Actually, photosynthesis occurs because of sunlight, and that's radiation. It's ultraviolet radiation, I think, if I'm not exact. But there's all sorts of radiation. Every, every form of energy, propagation of waves, is, an, is a radiation. Radio waves, television waves, gamma rays. And we're bombarded from natural and artificial sources of radiation all all the time. But when you hear that you're going to be targeted with radiation, you might get a slight amount of trepidation. And not knowing about it. And you know them telling you all these things of how, well, we're going to have it directed to this area. And this will, you know, we're going to be going in there and it's targeted against these cells. These cells are not, uh, cancer cells are, are, are not, don't react well with radiation, which is good. You don't want them to react well. You don't want them to thrive. They're going to uh, get rid of them. I'm not in, I did not become an expert. I never thought of becoming an expert on it. I just know that I accepted the expertise of the people and the preponderance of healed people and, and, and success uh, stories. And the cases where people have been cured. Matter of fact, a friend of mine said his mom went through it in the '60s. He remembered, you know, uh, he remembers going waiting with outside the hospital for his mother to go through radiation treatment, coming back, and she lived another forty-something um, years, and it cleaned her out. And that was that was almost sixty years ago. So we're up there, final day final day we go up there and it just feels different the whole trip feels different we know it's going to be the final day it's so much less stressful than the day before and way less stressful than the first day and like i said i'm stressed because i'm imagining what abby's going through and i didn't know that and so we're going i mean i didn't know what she's going through but i know she was stressed she told me she was but I didn't know what the full impact was. <clears throat> she gets called in, blah, 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 blah. And right at the end when they do it, uh, she gave, we got out a card for the girls and all that stuff. We went and got a final consultation with the radiologist nurse. And she got, went over care instructions of what to expect and what to do after radiation. And she got, you know, they inspected the area. You know, it's a little red. It's going to get a little, they said, don't be surprised. It gets a little darker for next uh, week or so. And when uh, we're done, they have a little tradition. And I don't know if they do it other places. They have a bell outside. And you ring the bell. And I had downloaded my thing. I downloaded, you can ring my bell. And I saw, we walked out there and I started playing it. And the phone's going on. People went, what's that music? And all of a sudden, only one of the girls listened to us. So last she goes, oh, I know what you're doing. You're playing. I know what you're doing. <laughs> okay, thanks. So Abby goes up and there's this big ship's bell outside the area. And, you know, you get like four or five of the uh, uh, 
people that work there and they come out and they and take a picture and they applaud and all that and uh, we had our picture taken together and that was the end of that and Abby starts talking you can just see the release in her voice at the end of it you hear it you hear hear that um, the sense of relief and really even we feel a palpable sense of relief when we're going out we grab some food and this and there's no anxiety it, at least we're not displaying any signs of anxiety we get in the car we're relaxed we're driving back and it's just like a, it, even though you don't recognize stress and anxiety you can recognize the absence of it the absence of it and I've been feeling it for a while I know with you know, I mean with the economy a lot of people are stressed out they were stressed out over covid uh you know we had uh, almost immediately after like 2 months after I had my neoplasm removed from my neck uh, my cancer scare about a month or two after that we went into abbeys or no it started before so we've had this, uh, we've been going through this about two and a half, three years. I know some people deal with it much longer, much more support, severe cases and things like that. I do understand that. I do understand it. We're fortunate. We were fortunate. Um, you know, some people are fortunate they never had it. But then we're fortunate to have gone through it and had it um, so far a successful outcome. I'm going to say it's, it's so far because you never know about tomorrow, but I, everything looks great. So I'm able to put that to rest. I'm going to, I'm going to try to post a picture on the cover of it. But uh, on the way home, we went back to our normal repartee when we were talking. So we didn't we necessarily talk about trips like uh, this year. I don't think I'm going to Poland. Uh, Abby's like 50-50 on it. You know, wants to go, wants not to go. Who knows? I think she's going to go. But, and I want her to go. She deserves it. She's been through a lot. But she were going back, and we're back to our normal conversations. And I'm able to talk about things without feeling the guilt of piling on. And I was going to, if we didn't have that final radiation episode, uh, I would have talked about other things I wanted to insert one other thing I had a co-worker who got um, who got sick and she was a um, a while ago I don't know who to say it is I don't want to identify who it is but it was a younger person and when they got sick it's it's interesting when our, when a young person goes to the hospital go, oh they went there with a broken shoulder broken wrist sprained ankle chicken pox right tonsils because that's a kid's one that's a good one when a 70 year old person goes on when they had their tonsils removed you go what what the fuck you know um so someone got sick and they had a problem with their um at first they thought it was appendicitis now appendicitis you think uh, that's kind of like everyone get appendicitis more likely for someone older but it's not unheard of that someone else get you know appendix burst it's the way it is. So they were thinking, oh, they think it's appendicitis or something like that. It's a lot of stomach pain. 
And then we find out, this is a particular young person, that it's an ulcer. Now, when you hear ulcer in a young person, you go, oh my God, that's so much worse. Now, an ulcer itself may not be worse than, you know, one-on-one compared to appendicitis because you've got to get cat open. You know, an ulcer in an adult, you would just perhaps uh, treat it with medication and a change of diet. But a younger person, you go, what is causing an ulcer and things like that? It's like hair loss. 40-year-old man, no problem. 14-year-old girl, big problem. Um, you know, ED malfunction. You know, 50-year-old man, no problem. 20-something-year-old guy, big problem. So yeah, it's all it's all a matter of, uh, of for me it's for age. It's like uh, arthritis. If you hear someone has arthritis and they're in and they're very young, you go, oh my god! Someone's eighty years old and they go, well, I got arthritis, and I go, well, no shit. I think I think I might. I think that's just one of these things you get you're used to now. Everyone gets arthritis. I wonder that. I got to check got to check that out. I wonder if everyone gets arthritis eventually. You live long enough. Do you have arthritis? It's just a buildup. It's like an old creaky joint. Like you're the tin man in the Wizard of Oz. You need more oil. You know, you get all creaky. Your muscles, your joints, your tendons. It's just, just a thing. Something you have to look forward to. But there are all sorts of things you see when Someone, you know, all according to age. All according to age. Now, my case, in particular with my ailment, and some of you listeners may dis- uh, disagree, but uh, I consider myself an alcoholic. And back in 2007, I stopped drinking for seven years, and then went back out from 2014 and 2019 and stopped drinking in 2019 again. Now, the first time I decided I was, was when I was 44. And some people say, oh, that's just heavy drinking and all that stuff. Okay, okay. So we'll have that discussion some other day, whether disease or not. What I'm suggesting, though, when I hear I'm in these uh, groups, and when I hear a younger person coming about when they're 25 and 24, and I realize they're having problems. I'm realizing they have problems. But when they're reaching out on this group I belong to uh, uh, for service industry people that are in, are in recovery or thinking about recovery, I think when someone who's young does reaches out, and there are almost everyone in the service industry is significantly younger than I am. I'm 58. And I try not, especially when there's young women on there and guys. I mean, it's been so long removed from a time when I was in my 20s. I cannot relate to that. The only part I can relate to is the part not drinking. Right? And not using it. I can relate to that part, but I can't relate to what life is like. I can remember what it was like somewhat. I don't remember the immediacy of being at the, in that age. But when I hear someone in their 20s saying they're an alcoholic, I'm not like, it's not one of those things where I hear someone who's 18 has severe arthritis. When you hear someone is, listen, you're an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic, whether you're you know, you don't realize it that when you're young, but <clears throat> you just have a pattern. 
of drinking, 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 and not being able to stop. You can stop for a day, maybe. But you never, you never say, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink for a month. I'm not going to drink for two months. I'm not going to drink. Or when I go out this time, I'm only going to have three drinks. And after three drinks, you know, and people say, well, it's just easy. There's all these programs that are doing it. Okay, whether we're not arguing that either. But realizing that you have a problem, it is such a cliche. It's half the problem. It's such a huge part of the problem. Because I remember when I was going through it when I was younger. I was just overly emotional about relationships, about my life, about my prospects. And I'm drinking, drinking, drinking. And I never for once thought, never for once thought that I was an alcoholic. Not whether I was rolling downtown, having a drink, and then maybe someone putting a Mickey in my drink and taking my wallet and my shoes and my watch and having to walk downtown without shoes on. Onto an uh, 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 onto the subway and take buses home without any identification or wallet or keys. And I didn't think I was an alcoholic. Or whether I woke up and there's marks all up and down the side of my car because I may have sideswiped an 18-wheeler and have tire marks on the side of my car. Or I'm parked the wrong way. Or I have unexplained dents. Or I wake up someplace I don't remember where I am or where I parked my car. Or having to go to a hospital the next day and having an injury and not be able to explain it, but I smell like alcohol. Or for one memorable moment, going to a Monte Carlo night. And this is back in the days where I had a pretty tight understanding of how much I had in my bank account. And ended up having $800 more. I know that sounds like not a big problem. But winning a bunch of money and not realizing it, that's it. Now, luckily, I never woke up with blood on my shirt and my hands, having gotten in a fight or anything like that. But, yeah, I went through all that for an extra 20 years before thinking, uh, calling up for an appointment with a mental health professional, finding out that they didn't um, have uh, any availability for a couple weeks and ask them, what am I going to do until that that appointment? the person said, well, are you drinking too much? Why don't you go to AA? They said, yeah. And that, that helped me out of anything I had done with mental health professionals, anxiety and all that stuff. That was the number one. That was the number one thing right there. Just going and talking about it. And some of it is talking about it to you guys. But I'm not here to get you sober or anything like that. I'm just telling you stories. It's my personal journey journal. So on the way back, okay, I'm going back. So I'm saying we're back from back on the hospital thing. We're coming back from Miami. It's a beautiful day. And my wife, we're just having a good time. And as you know, my wife's from Poland. And she is actually studying Spanish right now. But she's, her English is excellent. She's well, she reads and all that stuff. And she, went, she, didn't go, she didn't go to college or anything. She's a very intelligent woman. Hey, once you, talk, you speak two languages fluently and you're working on a third, I'm giving that, I'm giving you your credit. So uh, I have a slight dyslexia. And I remember years ago being in a car, I was you know, maybe like 10, 
years old. And then with my cousins who are eight and seven. And my, we're going to a pizza place in Maryland. And our aunt's driving. Their mother, my aunt, is driving. And my younger cousin says, uh, Hey, what's that uh, mean there? Mas- uh, massage parlor. And I said, that's a message parlor. I said, what's a message parlor? I said, where people send messages. Right? And I thought I was being smooth. But first of all, I didn't even know what actually happened in massage parlor. I kind of knew. I heard it as 10, 11 years old, kind of knew growing up near bases what they were. But I didn't really know. Now, in my late teens and all that stuff, yes, I knew. My 20s. So we're driving back and Abby's reading signs and she goes, um, it's just two things. And I'm going to call this thing the loss in translation. Whenever she reads something and says Oriental and stuff like that, she thinks that's the way to describe Asians, Orientals. And it's, it's Asian. I said to say to her, I said it's Asian. That's a better way. If you're going to refer to someone, say Asian. Are you Asian? Are you of Asian ancestry? Things like that. You would say Oriental. But I guess you can get away with it. You know, you mean to hear if the person doesn't have too strong an accent, they may understand that she has an accent and then English isn't her first. But if they see her, they may think English is her first language. And she's insulting them, but most likely not. So we go by and she goes, Oriental message. Would you like, and she goes, would you like an Oriental message? And I said, you know, honey, I don't speak Chinese. And she goes, what's that have to do with that? And I go, why would I want an oriental message? I said, do you mean an oriental massage? Which is code for a sensual or sexual massage. That's the word of the day. Oriental massage is different from an order oriental massage. And it's only one letter. Right? If you massage that word a little, it becomes message. An oriental m- massage. An oriental massage could be shiatsu or anything like that. But in code word, when you put it up in Miami or off the road in certain neighborhoods and stuff like that, people aren't looking for a shiatsu massage. They're looking for a happy ending. But when... The Oriental message, I'd have to say, what kind of message are you talking about? Are you talking Malaysian? Are you talking Chinese? Japanese? Cantonese? Mandarin? Korean? Vietnamese? Thai? Cambodian? Laotian? I mean, there's a lot of different messages you can get. But then, I think they would say Asian. Or the Pacific language. The specific language. Well, I'm going to wrap this up, this happy episode up, and try to get that picture on there so you can see it. I'd like to thank you for listening, and I will be back for you soon. Bye. I can put some music on, I guess.